Welcome to this edition of the Gateway Podcast. Thanks for connecting with us. To discover more about our faith community, feel free to visit our website, gatewaychurch.org.nz. May this message be an encouragement to you. I'd just like to add my welcome to Joe. So thrilled that you're here on uh, our Pentecost Sunday. And she wasn't joking. I am going to take you from Genesis to Revelation. Okay, I don't know whether it's ever been done before in 15 minutes, but uh, here we go. Uh, Pentecost is going to fit in there somewhere, okay? Um, when, when people tend, uh, if they do, to think about heaven and earth, they tend to think of them as separate spaces. So there's God's space, which is heaven, and our space, which is earth, and the two are separate. Now, on occasions, we imagine that uh, heaven reaches over into our space and into our world in the form of answered prayer or what we might call miracles. And of course, our hope is that at the end of our lives, we will, get o- uh, we will be able to go over to, to God's space. And I want to just tell you, uh, although that thinking is incredibly widespread in Christian circles, it's probably more Plato than it is Bible. Okay? At the beginning, it wasn't like this at all. In the Garden of Eden, the two realms were fully united and integrated, and God and humans dwelt together. There was no separation between the spaces. They were one and the same sphere. Eden was, according to Ezekiel 28, a temple, a sanctuary. And the language of Genesis in those early chapters is actually temple language. When God spoke to Adam and Eve and told them to guard and keep the garden, that's a priestly task, not just a horticultural one. It's actually exactly the same language that is used uh, of the priests who ministered in the tabernacle. And in Numbers chapter 18, verses 5 and 6, the language is exactly the same, guard and keep. So Adam and Eve are, in fact, being priestly when they were working in Eden. Now, human willfulness and sin broke the overlap and integration of those two spheres. And we chose to have separate spaces with God being excluded from our space. Our desire was to have moral autonomy so that we could decide for ourselves good and evil. And in doing so, we usurped God's prerogative to define good and evil. And the result is that man now lives east of Eden. East of Eden wasn't a phrase, that John, a phrase that John Steinbeck invented or created for his novel. East of Eden is a biblical pas- a passage, and the idea is that we've been separated, and what was fully integrated was driven apart, and now we live in a sphere absent from God, marred by sin, by brokenness, and by death. 
And the story of the Bible is God's mission to fully integrate that which man broke apart. The story of the Bible is the mission to unite what man had divided. In order to understand that mission, you have to talk about temples. Temples were the place where heaven and earth could interact once again. It was the place where people could come and experience what we had lost having been driven out of Eden. And huge portions of the Bible are devoted to describing, sometimes in meticulous detail, Moses' tabernacle, Solomon's temple. Now, the place where, where they came together, once again heaven could be experienced fellowship could take place between man and God. Now obviously the problem of man's sin had to be dealt with and in the temple and tabernacle was dealt with temporarily by the blood of animal sacrifices. And that happened in the outer court before people could come into God's presence. Interestingly, both those structures, the tent and the temple, were decorated with arboreal and, and verdant imagery. There were trees, there were flowers, there was, uh, there was the water that spoke of the stream of Eden. And it was a reminder of and a direct link back to that first temple garden. The temples were heaven and earth spaces. Sometimes the Celtics called them thin places. It was where God could be experienced. Things changed, and in Jesus, in the coming of Jesus, we moved from a heaven and earth place, which was the temples, to a heaven and earth person, which was Jesus. The Bible says in John chapter 1, verse 14, that he came and dwelt among us. And the, Hebrew, the Greek word literally means he pitched a tent. It was a tabernacle. It was a direct reference back to those heaven and earth spaces. Only now we have a heaven and earth person. And in John chapter 2, you'll remember he, Jesus talked to the Pharisees and the religious peoples, and he talked about the fact that if the physical temple that they were now worshiping in were broken down, he would raise it up again in three days. Of course, they mocked him for that, saying, this has been 46 years in the building. What are you talking about? And the Bible says that later, Jesus' disciples understood that he was talking about the temple of his own body. So now we have a heaven and earth person. And in the heaven and earth person, sins were forgiven. So the man being let down through the, through the roof by his friends, desperately in need of healing, the first words Jesus says to him are, your sins are forgiven. The, the woman who comes and anoints his feet um, and, and displays this incredible uh, passion and love for Jesus, he says, she's been forgiven much. So in Jesus, there was the forgiveness of sins. Not only was there the forgiveness of sins, there was healing and life and freedom and there was worship. People came, fell at his feet and worshiped. And Jesus never ever said to them, hey, don't do that, it's inappropriate. John's gospel culminates with Thomas coming and falling at his feet and saying, my Lord and my God. In Jesus, heaven and earth overlapped, were united, were integrated, and the life that was present in Eden was flowing out through him. He said he was the cornerstone or the foundation of a temple that would now be in the process of being built. He said that in Matthew chapter 21 and verse 42. He ascended back to heaven sent his Holy Spirit and created a heaven and earth people. And you and I are that heaven and earth people. The church is the temple that Jesus is building, the place where heaven and earth once again overlap, integrate, 
and unite. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 21 says, We who believe are carefully joined together with Christ as parts of a beautiful, constantly growing temple for God. And you also are joined with him and with each other by the Spirit and are part of this dwelling place for God. When we come to church, it's not just to have friendship and fellowship and to hear the preaching. What we need to understand is as we come as a corporate people, heaven and earth overlap. We are together a heaven and earth people. You are individually a heaven and earth person. Now you say, well, I, I, you know, I can't re represent heaven fully. No, of course you can't. But you can be full of him. In the same way that my finger is not the fullness of me, it is necessarily, though, full of me. And I can't be the fullness of Jesus and the fullness of, he of heaven, but I can be full of him. And that's my call. As far as I can express and represent Jesus and the heaven and earth overlap, that's my calling. It's your calling. It's our calling. Ultimately, we come to Revelation chapter 21 and 22, where God's space and human space are finally brought back together again. The heavenly city, which is in itself a temple and a garden, is reconstituted and heaven and earth are once again united and integrated. The entire cosmos and the new creation are again the dwelling place of God. Interestingly, in those chapters, it's described as being four square, 1500 by 1500 by 1500. And immediately when you have a cube, a four square um, structure, people's minds, at least Hebrew minds, would immediately be taken back to the tabernacle and the temple because there was one structure that was four square and it was the holy of holies. It was the place where God dwelt. And in saying this city, garden, temple will be four square, it's saying this is the reconstitution of all that was lost by the fall. Heaven and earth once again integrated and united. As you look at those different phases, the constant is that they were inhabited by the Spirit of God. In Eden, God walked and talked with Adam and Eve. There was this presence of God dwelling there. In the tabernacle, after it was built, interestingly enough, when we think about Sinai, we always think of the burning bush, the giving of the law, uh, sorry, the, the giving of the law from Mount Sinai, and, and we don't imagine what else took place, but the giving of the law and the tablets that Moses came down from the mountain with literally took 40 days, 80 days on the sick, but they were there for, look, over two years, and the rest of the time was the building of the tabernacle, the building of a place where God could dwell among these people. You know, the book of Leviticus, with all its strange sort of instructions, was actually a health and safety manual for a people who were going to dwell among, or who were going to let a holy God dwell among them. It was kind of like putting a nuclear reactor in a residential neighborhood. The people who are living in that neighborhood want to know how to live with this dynamic force without being absolutely destroyed by it. God is seeking to bring his life back to his people, but being sinful, they needed some instructions. They needed blood sacrifice so that they could come safely back into his presence. But once the tabernacle was built in Exodus 40, it says the cloud covered the tabernacle and the glory filled it. The presence of God in the Holy Spirit came down. The same thing happened in the temple. After it was built, it was filled with God's presence, so much so that the priests could not minister 
minister. They had to, they had to move back out because the presence of God was so powerful. You can see that in 1 Kings chapter 8. In Jesus, the heaven and earth person, we, say, we, we, we know from John that he was filled with the Holy Spirit without measure. When he's baptized by John the Baptist, the Spirit of God comes down on him in the form of a dove and he's filled with grace and truth. And anointed by the Holy Spirit, Acts says, he went around doing good and uh, separating and uh, rather releasing people who were uh, bound up by the devil. The heaven and earth people were filled with the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost. And the final overlap of heaven and earth is a place that is filled with the presence of God and the glory of God as the waters cover the sea, it says. So today is the day of Pentecost. It's the day that the church celebrates the coming of the Holy Spirit on the early disciples, on that heaven and earth temple which was his people. But it isn't simply to recall sometime in ancient history an act of remembrance. It's a call to participate afresh in its reality. The early church had that initial encounter with the Holy Spirit. They were filled. The fire of God came. The wind of God came. They were filled. They spoke in tongues. They prophesied and so on in, in that upper room. But as you read the book of Acts, they had constant encounters with him. It wasn't just that one time where they were touched. In Acts chapter 4 verse 31, after they were in a prayer meeting, uh, they, they were assembled together and the Bible says the place was shaken and again they were filled with the Holy Spirit. They lived an upper room life. They didn't just have an upper room experience, they lived an upper room life. And Paul says to us, don't be drunk with wine, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. That's not a one and occasion encounter. The, the Greek literally could be translated, don't be drunk with wine, but be being filled with the Holy Spirit. Have those fresh encounters. Anticipate and expect that the Holy Spirit will come and minister to you. So if the musicians would come, please, and those who are uh, doing the anointing with oil, if you would come and take up your position as well, because this morning we want to take time to anoint you with oil and ask the Holy Spirit to come afresh on you. So as we would do in times of communion, we're going to invite you to stand, come up out of your seat, follow, follow the arrows down, and come to where people are standing, and what we would like to do is simply anoint you with oil. Now, if you're new here and this would seem a little daunting, please don't be frightened. We're not going to do. Uh, we're not going to take your bank account and ask for your pin number or anything silly. We simply want to pray that the Holy Spirit would come on you afresh. Um, we're not going to get you to linger once they've anointed with you with oil. They're going to get you to go back uh, and take up your seat. But what we're asking of you is as they anoint you, believe that God is going to touch you afresh. It may be your hundredth time, it might be your first time, but we are expecting, we've been praying all week that God is going to do some special things. Now, you might be anointed with oil and you think, well, I haven't been transported to heaven, I haven't had a vision, I, have, I don't feel anything different particularly. Don't turn the switch of faith off. Okay. When, you, when you go to iron a shirt, or whatever, I'm, I'm presuming, um, guys, you have seen an iron, um, but when you turn it on and immediately touch the hot plate, you can do it without any form of being, or worry of being burnt. You switch it on, touch it, take your hand off, no problem. You try that again in five minutes, and you're going to be in a spot of bother. What often happens is we pray for people, and they go, oh, nothing particular, go back, sit down, let their mind wander. 
What we're asking is turn the switch of faith on, leave it on. When you go back, these guys are going to be leading us in worship. Just enter in, invite the Holy Spirit to come. You might like to sing, you might like simply just stand with your hands raised, you might want to sit and reflect. But be open to him speaking to you, coming to you in a fresh way. If you're here this morning and you've never been baptized in the Holy Spirit, you don't have a spiritual language, you don't speak in tongues, it can be today. Simply, if that's your desire, say, Lord, I'd really like that. Would you touch me? And then anticipate and expect that he will. So I'm going to invite you um, to stand. We'll go from the front, just as we do with communion. Okay, and, and would you just come down, let them pray for you. It'll probably be a bit of a muddle, a bit of a mixture. Uh, people will be coming and going. I suspect on the day of Pentecost it was a bit of, uh, a, bit of a muddle as well. Um, but don't be worried by it. Make your way back to your seat after you've been, after you've been prayed for. Let's stand. Father, we thank you for your incredible kindness and graciousness and your tenaciousness in pursuing us and seeking to bring us once again back into fellowship with you. Thank you that by the blood of your Son, we've become a heaven and earth people. We know that we haven't deserved it, we haven't earned it, it has simply been your goodness, your graciousness, your mercy. And we are so grateful for your pursuit of our lives. This morning, Lord, as we celebrate the day of Pentecost and what you did, we do it with an anticipation and an expectation, not just a reminder of history, but that afresh, Lord, you would anoint us, you would refill us, that we would be being filled with your Holy Spirit, that we would be your heaven and earth people. So as we come today, touch us. Lord, for those who are carrying burdens or carrying sickness or are struggling, feeling so dry, we pray that you would minister, you would touch. As Jesus was anointed by the Holy Ghost and went about doing good and setting all those free who were oppressed of the devil, we ask that that anointing would be present among us this morning to do miraculous works. Signs in the heaven above and wonders on the earth beneath. We dare to believe it, Lord, because you are the sovereign God. Come and breathe among us, we pray in Jesus' name. Come, Holy Spirit. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to know more about our faith community, feel free to visit our website, gatewaychurch.org.nz.